Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Today we're reading out of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This is actually one of my favorites, hands down. Um, So if you want to read with me, you can. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> Thanks, Josh. One of the things that really encouraged me about Josh a couple weeks ago is Josh went home to Tennessee to see his family and uh, loves them very much. But when he got back to New Hampshire, he came through the door and said, I'm home. And uh, I like that, Joshie. You know, and what's really cool is you guys, the church here, um, you guys are a big part of that. You know, the, the, the local church really becomes a family. So um, I want to talk a little bit about that to cast some vision. Um, I will promise you that as a staff, we are, I know you're going to laugh at this, we are trying to figure out how to make announcements shorter. <laughs> One, probably not have Nathan or me do them, um, but we're, we're trying and we love Nathan kind of on up here, but I'm going to piggyback on some of the announcements and one of it's just because, uh, you know, Drew said our, our seasons are unique. I don't think there is a season at Loon Mountain Ministry that's not unique, right? We're like all over the place. And really the reason why we're all over the place is because we are a church for the people. And we're not asking people to come find us in some obscure place. We believe that the gospel is the good news that needs to be proclaimed from everywhere. And we're going to go and find them. Right, And we're going to go to you and to them, and we're going to ebb and flow as people change and come and go. And so you need to be flexible when you're part of Loon Mountain Ministry. That's just how it's going to go. And uh, But we haven't forgot about you guys, and we love you. Uh, and we know that this coffee shop service and the local service means a lot to a lot of people. Um, our staff is just not big enough to pull off both services between uh, Father's Day and, and, and um and Labor Day, um, but when we uh, go to the mountain on Father's Day, Sharon has said, because I know for various different reasons, the mountain is a difficult place for some folks to go. It's it's a long gondola ride, it's a long line, it's people you don't know, it's a big parking lot, it's downhill when you get up there, it's, you know, it's uncomfortable seats outside, it's hot, it's buggy, there's a lot of things, you know, I'm selling it really good right now, aren't I? Uh, come to the mountain, church. Um, but there's a lot of different things that make it difficult uh, to go. Um, but we also want to cast vision that we really want you there if you can be. Because this is our missional outreach. You are part of the mission of God, first and foremost, and of this church. 
And we can go and love on people that are coming here. And it's an unbelievable way to share the gospel. And you can come and support by just attending and saying hello to somebody that you don't know. Tell them where to go for something to eat or a hike to take or a, a swimming hole to go to. But don't tell them about mine. Um, <laughs> you know, you can, you can help. And people love that. People love that. And you can say, oh, no, this is my church. Well, oh, this is your church? Yeah, no, this is a church that meets year-round. And, and it's so cool. And listen, us pastoral team, we're only three stooges. We can't talk to everybody. You guys can. So, But we know that it's not really easy for everyone to go. So Sharon has graciously said that she will actually hold a, a Bible study, time of fellowship, and prayer here at the coffee shop Sunday mornings from um, Father's Day until Labor Day at 9 a.m. So at 9 a.m., you can come in. She's going to put a, a pot of coffee on. And that way, if you would still like to go to the mountaintop trip service afterwards, you can still come because you need to load the gondola by 1030. But from 9 to 10, those that are local that would like to come in and uh, hang out with Sharon and whoever's here, you guys will open the Word of God. You'll pray together, and you'll have some fellowship on a Sunday morning. So uh, thank you, Sharon, for doing that. That's really, really cool in a way to help this mo mo uh, momentum go in here. Um, I Man, I got so many things and stories that I want to share. Uh, I'm going to share a story kind of vaguely right now, so that way I don't give away anyone's identity. Uh, but there's a verse that says that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to the world. And someone that I know experienced that this week. They were practicing for that worship song that you just sang. And they were practicing with someone who had never sang that song before and didn't know that song. And, and so that person, you know, was a music uh, uh, lover who was teaching. And uh, they started in on this song. And it starts out, there is a fountain full of blood. And the person was like, whoa, whoa, time out. You guys sing this at your church? And they're like, uh, yeah. And he's like, I've always thought you guys are weirdos. I know now you're weirdos. There's a fountain full of blood. That's weird. And here's the thing. To the world, the gospel is weird. Because it took the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. Meaning for the pavement of sin. For the covering of sin. It took a precious lamb. Jesus Christ, Son of God. And to the world, that is cuckoo. But I've watched some of their movies, and they're weird, too. <laughs> so, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. We have decided to go through the books of wisdom because we're young. Spiritually, we're young. This church is only seven years old. That gathers in here. The ministry is 30 years old, but the local church is seven. So, we're pretty young. Anybody seven here? No, they're probably back there because they're young. Um <laughs> So this church probably all should go back there. You know, actually, let's, no, sorry. Um, we're seven. Our staff is young. Our average age is like 30. We're young. That's not normal for a church. And so we picked the books of wisdom. I looked through the books of wisdom. The hardest one looked like Job, so I tackled that first. We went through Job for probably over a year together as a church service, as a church. And, uh, you know, you've probably gotten tired of me saying it, but the book of Job is like your old weathered grandparent that talks to you about stories where it used to snow over the roof, you know, and they'd go to hill, they'd go to school and bare feet uphill both ways. It was life was hard, but God was good. Uh, yesterday I did a service, um, you know, for a gentleman who was born in 1929 and served in World War II, and he was a logger here, and then moved from here in 1968 when the mill went out. That was a really hard day for him because he loved being a logger. 
and he loved being a mill worker from here, and then he moved to New Jersey. Um, and I was, I, I ended the service with How Great Thou Art down at the Woodstock Cemetery. And I just kind of like, I love to do, I let that end chorus just ring out as we all just sat there in silence. And, um, and that, what I said was, listen, this gentleman was from the greatest generation. And this greatest generation was great despite their circumstances. Right, Jim? Right. And your great generation had some pretty rugged circumstances, didn't you? You've seen a lot of wars, and you've been great despite your circumstance. And what a beautiful correlation to God's greatness. God is great despite our circumstances. And so Job talked about that, that God is great no matter what he does. God's in charge, you and I are not, that's Job. And then we move to Ecclesiastes, which is that skeptical uncle, right? That single uncle that has like five doctrines, has been all over the world, is totally cynical, but you really are interested in him because he's got some really cool stories and some cool thoughts, and he smokes a pipe that actually kind of smells good, right? You're like, oh, my uncle's pipe, you know? Maybe you don't like that smell, but a pipe is much better than some other things. Um... And so here's this uncle, this cynical, skeptical, very brilliant uncle, and he's blowing smoke into all that you evangelicals believe, right? Because we evangelicals are all about us. We're the hero of our story. Jesus came for me. Heaven's my home. Yay, gospel. You know, remember we talked about that? That the Bible is not you being the hero. Christianity, you're not the hero. I'm not the hero, right? We want Christianity to be that. We want to be the hero, and we want God to be the guide. There's always a guide in a story, right? There's always a guide in the story. We talked about the Lord of the Rings, and right? Frodo is the hero, and Gandalf is the guide. We want that in Christianity. We want to be Frodo, and we want God to be Gandalf. But in reality, Lord of the Rings... Right? Jesus is the hero. God is the guide. And you and I are the orcs. We are both simultaneously the bad person and what the hero wants, what the hero came to save. That's the gospel. And anything else is not the gospel. Sorry, Marcus and evangelical Americans. You ain't the hero. And that's why I think a lot of people don't come to our faith. Because we haven't done anything different than them. We changed the guide. Oh, the guide's God and I'm the hero. But they're the hero in their story. There's just a different guide. And they're like, I don't really want a different guide. I like my guide and I like being the hero of my story. But the gospel is that Jesus is the hero and I'm not. And so Ecclesiastes is going after that. And nothing changes here in chapter 3. Really famous chapter in the Bible. Anyone listen to the birds? What what year was the birds about Scott singing that song to everything turn turn? Mid, uh, mid to late sixties. Mid to late sixties, right? There was some good things that came out of the mid to late sixties. The birds wrote about the Bible, right? To everything turn turn. And other than those words, the rest of them are these words word for word. The birds got this completely out of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. They didn't use the NLT. I think they used the NIV if I look, and they kind of changed it up a little bit. Uh, but go home and YouTube the birds. Uh, I think everything's season or see everything's a season or what's it called, the song? To everything. To everything? I think you're right. To everything. 
To everything turn, turn. You'll be singing that the rest of the day. Um, but you won't forget this sermon. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Jim said I should keep preaching and not sing, which is... And I heard a Heidi said amen over here, Jim. So it's coming from both sides of the room. I'm glad no one's got tomatoes today. Um, or rats, yeah. We will, have church, we will have lunch after church, by the way, so hang around. Um... So let's get into this sermon. Um, I'll be honest, my brain is kind of scattered this morning, and most of you would say what's new. Um, but I had some celebration of life uh, this week, and I got uh, this weekend, and I got another one today. Um, and so I appreciate your prayers. Um, but like, I think when I have like more than three public speaking engagements in a week, like I kind of like start running them all together. In my mind, I, I don't like using notes. Um, that's just my style. Um, but what I loved about what Jim said earlier, when I came in this morning and had coffee with Jim, and I told him that I confessed, I was like, right now my sermon's kind of jumbled up there, and I can't find it. And Jim read the scripture, and he says, "You don't have to say anything. This says it all, and doesn't it? Amen. This is God's word. And a lot of us don't read Ecclesiastes because it's buried in the Old Testament." And honestly, you start reading and you kind of feel depressed. So you kind of like, oh, I'll go back to Psalms or I'll, you know, pop the Proverbs or I'll go up to the, you know, to the, to uh, the Gospels. But I heard a pastor tell a really cool story about Ecclesiastes. Uh, there was a gentleman in this pastor's town uh, that was in his 80s. And this individual, when he heard about his story, this gentleman had, 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 had experienced everything. This individual had a long, wonderful life, beautiful children, healthy kids had a great job, a great retirement, had traveled and had all kinds of experience, was huge into music and absolutely loved music. But in his late 80s, his health was failing and the doctor said, hey, your time is approaching. And that scared him. It scared him so bad. And he relayed that to his daughter, his daughter who was in her 60s. Now his daughter had since put her faith in Jesus Christ. And over the phone, her daughter said, Dad, I'm going to come visit you. And when I come to visit you, I'm bringing my Bible. And I'm going to read to you the Bible, Dad. And her dad said, okay. I think he had nothing else to put his faith in at that moment because his experiences weren't helping his health, his money, his retirement. They weren't helping him. And she said, I'm going to come read the Bible. And what was so cool about this story is you think that this woman, she's going to come and she's going to read the Romans road. For the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Or maybe she might read the book of John, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Maybe, maybe she'll read some of these famous salvation passages. You know what she did? I think led by the Holy Spirit. She opened the book of Ecclesiastes. She began to read in chapter 1. And she read through chapter 1 over her father who just closed his eyes and laid in the bed. And she got through chapter 1. Then she went on to chapter 2. She got through chapter 2, and when she landed at the end of verse 8 on chapter 3, he opened his eyes and said, Stop, stop. I want the fear of the Lord. Because remember, the book of Ecclesiastes says we all face death, we all face time, and we all face change. We all face uncertainty, or chance, the Bible says. And that the only thing that separates us is when we have the fear of the Lord. That's what, the, that's what Ecclesiastes says, the fear of the Lord. And this man said, I want the fear of the Lord. And it's so cool because his daughter was able to say, you can, Dad. Put your faith in Jesus, Dad. 
And that's a really cool story. And I love that the Holy Spirit led her to read Ecclesiastes. And sometimes as a pastor, I struggle giving the good news to Americans. Because we don't need a whole lot. Yeah, sure, maybe we're bummed out because our kid didn't do what we want them to do. Or maybe our health isn't quite right. Or we didn't get the promotion we're looking for. But folks, every single person in this room knows where lunch is coming from. It's right back there. You all had a car to get here. Or a house to sleep in. Or a bed. And you might say, well, I'm not really that rich. You got a house? You got a place to sleep? You got food today? You're very rich. A lot of us in America, we don't really have needs. So the gospel isn't good news. It's not good news to us because we got to surrender being the hero. But when it comes to the end of our lives, all of us are willing to question whether we want to be the hero or not. And this is where this 80-year-old was at. It's so cool that his daughter went through Ecclesiastes. And why I say that is, this gives me hope as an American pastor to share the gospel with people in America. Because Ecclesiastes (laughs) says, you know what? There's no hope. And what I love about this, this is what God gave me for uh, something about this passage. It's a contrasting. Look at the front of your bulletin. There's contrasting. Okay? It says there's a time to be born. I just heard of one that was born not too long ago over there. There's a time to die. Don't know when that's coming. Don't know when that's coming. There's a time to plant. There's a time to reap. There's a time to kill. Time to heal, tear down, build up. These are contrasts. And I can't help but notice that one seems positive and one seems negative. Am I right? If you think about it. And there's a positive and a negative to a battery, electricity, right? There's balance and order in the world. And what I noticed was there's two things I saw here. One I'm going to call pleasure. And one I'm going to call pain. In this passage, I see the contrast of pleasure and pain. Can someone tell me why we're in Ecclesiastes? Does anyone remember that I just said a little while ago? Why are we going through Ecclesiastes? To gain wisdom. How does little River, or how uh, does little Miss Franklin over there, how old is she now? Nine months. How does a nine-month-old begin to gain wisdom? Through pleasure and through pain, right? Those contradicting things are gaining her wisdom every day. I do this, ooh, it's good. I'm going to do that again. I do this, ow, ow. I'm not going to do that again, right? Ow, I'm not going to do that. And when you see in these little children's lives... Pleasure and pain need to be both present for them to learn the world around them and to gain wisdom. But we all know this to be true. We as a society are working day and night, around the clock, spending multi-trillion dollars a year to remove pain. Are we not? Parents. Are you not working hard to remove pain from your children's lives? Stop it. Stop. Church, Marcus, America, stop removing pain. 
For when we do, we will lose wisdom. And this is what this is driving at. For when we only have pleasure, when we only have pleasure, we will just run in circles and never gain wisdom or insight or understanding and mature. I have a friend who has a mental disability. And, and I've begun to understand him more. And I really began to understand him when I looked at this passage of Scripture. My friend has an actual block that doesn't allow him to learn from pain. I mean it. Now, I sometimes don't learn from pain. You know how many times I've overeaten? Didn't feel good to overeat. But I've done it, and I'll probably do it again. But I want my friend, he, he doesn't have the ability. It's funny, he learns from pleasure. Boy, he learns really good from pleasure. He learns how to manipulate and ma like manage his time and his friendships and people to get more pleasure. But he, it's a riot. He doesn't know how, how, how to learn from pain. I've watched, it's crazy. But I've learned so much from him about myself. I've learned so much about the things that he says. I'm like, whoa, I thought that, but he said it. He, right? Folks, we cannot remove pain, for we will lose wisdom. And there's no better example than this than leprosy. Now, leprosy is something that we're not super familiar with in 2021. But if you read your Bible, two, three, four thousand years ago, leprosy was pretty common. And leprosy was also very contagious. And so they created the us versus them, and they said those are them. And they shunned them and put them outside the city. Sound familiar? Shunned them because it was contagious. But what's something that we all know about leprosy? What happens? People lose limbs, right? They lose fingers, they lose arms, they lose legs, they lose feet. They, they might could finally well die and lose their heart with leprosy. You're right. But you know something I didn't know until I talked to my mother who's a nurse? I thought leprosy like ate away at your, at your extremities. That's what I thought. That's not true. Do you know what leprosy does? Leprosy removes the ability for your nervous system to tell your brain that your finger hurts or your toe hurts. So when you have leprosy, you could be asleep 3,000 years ago by a campfire because it's cold, and you roll over in the middle of the night and your arm falls into the campfire and your hand's in the fire, but you don't know. You don't wake up until you go, mm, I smell cookies. Right? But no, it's your hand on fire. Right? It's your hand on fire. That's how people lose their extremities when they have leprosy. Can you see the correlation? Pain is very important. It plays a very important role. And when we take pain away through comfort and food and rearranging of schedules and, and, and vacations and blankies and all kinds of things... We, 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 we really do ourselves and our children and our church a big time injustice. Me included. I'm preaching at me. I love pleasure. I don't like pain. But without pain, hiking the Appalachian Trail would have been lame. It would have. Pain made it valuable. It did. Pain, when you go hiking, makes 
the view much better. We all love Sean's photography. Please get a newsletter when you leave today. It's full of Sean's photography. Why do we love Sean's photography? And why can't we take that photography? Because he is willing to put himself through pain that I'm not to take a photo. Right? This guy will lay on his belly in a tick-infested field for hours on end when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's hailing, when it's a million degrees, when bees fly in his ear and his eyes, when ticks crawl over his face. And he'll lay there for hours on end to capture that one photo of that baby bear cub. That one photo. I ain't doing that. And what I love about Sean is every single photo he takes has a story and the story is cool because of the pain right because of the pain and we want to remove that from our lives and when we remove it from our lives our story is not valuable anymore jesus understands pain without pain there is no remission of the sins and so the leper loses a finger a leper loses an arm. A leper loses a leg because they cannot feel the pain. There was a doctor, right, who wanted to become a doctor, but his parents wouldn't let him. They wanted to become an engineer. And so he, to appease his parents, became an engineer first. And then after he appeased his parents, he went back and became a medical doctor. So he was both an engineer and a medical doctor. That sounds like a lot of school. I don't want to do that. But he did that. And praise God he did. Because one of the things that he has invented for lepers is this thing that goes on their extremities that warns them when there is pain. That will warn them when they're touching a hot stove or come to a hot stove or will warn them when a basketball hits their finger and jams it or breaks it. It will warn them. You want to know something sad? The lepers were really excited to get this. Were they not? But the lepers that were actually nowadays playing sports and doing things began to take them off because they didn't want to hear the warning. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Well, look in the mirror. Because you take the warning off all the time because you don't want to hear the pain. You don't want to feel the pain. And so you find yourself in whatever. And all the while you point at someone else using something else to cover up their pain and say they got a problem. All the while, while you're addicted to coming to church without having a relationship with God because you're hoping that this will ease your pain. Or you listen to Christian music, which is great, but you hope it will ease your pain. Jesus, faith in Jesus, is the only thing that makes suffering, that makes pain valuable or meaningful. Without Jesus, without faith, pain and suffering is meaningless. And that just is not cool. So today, what we want to learn from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is to not spend our money and our time and our mental effort removing pain. Removing pain from our own lives. Removing pain from our children's lives. Removing pain from our church's lives. But that through wisdom, we get on our knees and we get in God's word and through prayer say, Holy Spirit, guide me through this pain. Teach me what you're telling me. Teach me what you're showing me. Grow within me a maturity. And I don't make this mistake again. 
or this thing that is out of my control, that I release it to you, even though it's causing me pain, that I can forgive as I have been forgiven, that I can love even though I have, even as I have been loved. See, when you don't forgive, Christian, you're doing what the leper does with that engineer's tool. The engineer put the thing on people's hands so they can feel pain. When they take it off, is life they think is in the moment better. But in the long run, it's not good, is it? Listen to me, Christian. Listen to me, churchgoer. When you don't forgive, when you do not forgive, you have removed the device that tells you there's pain. Forgiving is painful. It hurts. But it is also extremely freeing. Forgiveness is about freedom. And when you don't forgive, it has been said, and it is true, when you don't forgive, that's like drinking poison hoping someone else dies. Let me say that again. When you don't forgive, that's like drinking poison hoping someone else dies. The offender. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. These are hard passages for me to hear. <laughs> Even the easy ones, like there's a time to speak and a time to be quiet. That's a hard one for me to hear. There's a time to scatter stones and a kind time to gather them. Time to tear down and time to build up. God, right now, I'm loving Loon Mountain Ministry because it's a time that we are building up. But I need your help, Lord God, to not put my hope in the build-up time of Loon Mountain Ministry. Because I'm not sure, God, when the time might come to tear this little sandcastle down. Help me not to throw a fit like a four-year-old on a beach if this thing is teared down because it's not mine and it's not yours. This store and this coffee shop and this church and the mountaintop, all beautiful things and a really cool sandcastle, but in the light of eternity they're just a sandcastle and a wave can just take her right out help me god to not fall in love with the pleasure and deny the pain but that the ebb and flow of pleasure and pain that i might submit to the pain and that i might rejoice in the pain that i might find joy through gratitude and thanksgiving and that i might enjoy the pleasure too and god and share from an open hand i need your help our church needs your help we're so fickle we're so small-minded and we get distracted by any little good thing thank you jesus for your holy spirit that you've not left up to abandoned but you've come to guide us thank you for your word thank you for solomon penning these really cool words that are hard to hear so we pray amen thanks for listening we here at loon mountain ministry are committed to loving god serving community and enjoying mountains we want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.